0: I wonder if they can hear it on Long Island. Two on 0. Wiley lost Great save by Anderson. Riley stayed onside. The late man Matthews. Great move. What a goal! beauty. Austin Matthews. Matthews flipped it up for Marner. Mitch Marner centering. High into the net. Scores. He took fast down. And his shot trapped in the corner. All right, here we go. Episode 34 of Not Another Leafs Pod on the Hockey Podcast Network at Ken Stapon, at McCarthy 95 at Pod at HockeyPodNet. And a reminder that Leafs Pod is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. 68 teams started the tournament. Only the best have survived. Who would have had 12-seeded Oregon State in the Elite Eight? but they will have their work cut out for them against number 2 Houston on Monday. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $1 on any tournament game, and if your team wins, you win $100. It's that simple. Turning $1 into $100 is 100-to-1 100 1 odds. Pick any basketball team that's still in the hunt for your shot of winning $100, All it takes is one dollar bet and that team winning the next game. There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers daily odds and boosts on pro basketball. Hockey, golf, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's this simple. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100. If the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win, that's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Bmac, what's happening, brother?
1: Kenny, I'm good, man. Happy Monday.
0: <laughs> we're glad at, to, glad to see number 34, the Austin Matthews edition of Not Another Leafs Podcast.
1: Yeah, we're at 34 games into the regular season and it's also episode 34. Huge milestone because I feel like we just had so many goalies to run through Wikipedia for to find to find one, but finally <laughs> finally 34 uh pretty pretty easy for this one. So,
0: uh the Poppy of the City gets gets the nod this week. You have a good birthday celebration up at the college this weekend. I know you were uh, poking around up there. I was poking.
1: I was poking, and I got to see a uh, a sweet, sweet come-from-behind overtime win. And that's probably the easiest goal Matthews is ever going to score. But, I mean, they
0: grinded it out to come back, so you're going to get a little puck luck in that situation, right? Certainly. And I thought that, particularly the game against the Oilers, great, great resolve from the team in the third period because I was buzzing around on twitter.com as I like to do when I can kick back and relax and watch the games and people were running around with their pants on fire when the Leafs pretty were much. going into the third period down by 2 saying it's over, it's an impossible comeback, like they, <laughs> yeah. you're never going to be able to do this against, you know, an Oilers team that's been playing pretty well lately. You know, they get the resolve and get a couple goals in the third period. I thought it was huge for Tavares and Nylander to contribute to the two goals in the third to climb back into that contest. They've been a little bit cold or a little bit stale lately. Uh, it was just all around um, great effort, I thought, to climb back into the game. And don't look now, but Jack Campbell improves to 6-0 and on the season mm-hmm. between the pipes for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I'm just going to sneak in my tweet of the day here. As Pierre LeBron tweets that out, 6-0 on the season for Campbell. And then James Myrtle retweets saying that Campbell leads all goaltenders with a 945 save percentage who have at least five starts on the season. So impressive stuff from the Leafs' backup as well.
1: Yeah, man, but I'm not ready to hand the keys to the card to Jack Campbell. Let's be honest. I mean, this guy has played sporadic hockey in between the pipes for the Maple Leafs. And yes... His his records indicate that he's been playing stellar. It's a clean sheet. But let's remember, you know, at typical workload you're going to endure. And with 22 games left in the regular season, this was typically a time where, in a a regular season, Frederick Anderson was was playing the primary load of games. And this is the home stretch here. This is going to be a real chance for for Campbell to really say, hey, like I can't just come in for relief and get you those shutout wins periodically. I want to be able to firm up a spot that when injuries like this are even longer, I can step in for a longer period of time.
0: I'm with you. You That was one of the questions I wanted to propose to you, actually, was whether or not you thought that the starting net was still going to be Frederick Anderson's when he returns, based off the play of Jack Campbell. And I'd love to start an argument with you about this, but I think that it is still Anderson's net to lose. And to be quite frank, I'm surprised to see everybody raking this guy through the coals because the team, I don't think it's really arguable, is better with Anderson and Campbell than it is with Campbell and Hutchinson or Scott or whoever the hell your (laughs) backup goalie is going to be. So it's just ignorant to me. Even if you don't like the way that Anderson has played at times this season, and you can point out a number of goals saying that you think he should have had them, or, you know, even games where maybe you don't think they should have had all the goals, but he still ends up giving up, you know, four or five. It is what it is. At the end of the day, you need both of these goaltenders to be healthy if you're going to have success. Anderson is the more proven starter. Whether or not he plays well enough to get a contract renewal from Toronto at the end of the season remains to be seen. I think he might, uh, might be playing his way out of that. But for the time being, they need Anderson to come back healthy. And then they need both these guys to stay healthy. Down the stretch, if they're going to have a a shot at, A, the number one seed in the North Division, which is, you know, coming in more and more into question every day, it seems, of the way that Edmonton and Winnipeg and all these teams have been playing. And, B, make a run. Because I love Jack Campbell, but, like, show me he doesn't have the resume either. Like, what's he played? You know, 70 regular season games in a 10-year career? So exactly. everybody's ready to write this guy off as, you know, the next coming of Jesus Christ or like, you know, he's like he's Patrick Waugh or Martin Brodeur or Jacques Plante. But let's all pump the brakes here and see what this kid's got and he's been able to get the wins. But I think you need Freddie to come back healthy if you're going to be successful as a team.
1: Right. And if they're sticking to that seven to ten day timeline for Frederick Anderson returning from that lower body injury that he's been dealing with for a couple of months now, it would indicate that he would play Friday against Winnipeg, and that means Campbell would go tonight, Monday, March 29th, and Wednesday. So it's it's going to be an interesting week, man, but you could see Campbell playing all three, or they're just going to slowly uh, delay the, the comeback for Anderson. But this just means more starts and more confidence building up for for Campbell. When you look at the last two games, uh, Edmonton and Ottawa, I don't think he was that
0: great. I mean, he gave up Well, if you look at the Ottawa game, it's like he he misplays the puck twice and ends up in the back of your net. And to his credit, he didn't give up anything else after that. But even against the Oilers, like who was it? The Darnell Nurse School? He comes down and just basically wires it five-hole. It's like that's a save that if Frederick Anderson gives that one up, like the the fan base is all over him again. And the one thing I will say about Campbell is that he seems to give his team an opportunity with the big save in the key moments that Anderson hasn't been able to come up with this year. Like Campbell will give up three or four, but then he'll shut the door after that and sort of stop the bleeding and give his team an opportunity to climb back into the game. And I thought they did that against Edmonton, but certainly in the last two games, he did come back down to earth a little bit, which you would expect. Like, he was going to continue playing at a, you know, a 950-plus save percentage for the rest of the season.
1: No. God, no. That's where I hate stats like that, because there's a slew full of backup goaltenders who have played way more, right? they're backups
0: for a reason, Brendan. Right. And so, so, like, it's great that he's been able to give them some consistency in the backup role, but they need Frederick Anderson to be healthy and come back and be playing at the top of his game, Because eventually, you know, you're going to run out of luck when you're playing your backup for these extended periods of time and this much time. BMAC, one concern for me has been the power play for this group of late, and it's been absolutely dreadful. I didn't even realize how bad it's been performing, actually. I looked up in the last 10 games this morning. They're one for 22 in the last 10 games on the power play. That's horrendous. This Very horrendous so. it, it, like, I'm I don't know. Well, obviously, you know, the Matthews wrist injury, people will point at that, but at a certain point in time, you need to be getting some production out of, you know, Tavares, out of Nylander, out of Riley, out of I don't know, go down the list. Whoever you want. You have the man advantage. you think these players would be able to cash in as well, and it wouldn't be contingents on one player taking a shot from the hash mark whether or not your power play is gonna work or not. Like it seems like they're still are trying to stagger the units. I'm not saying that that's the main issue or not, but you know, the other night during the Oilers game, I think Tavares and Nylander jumped on the ice for as the second unit for the power play and, you know, the first unit was out there for already a minute 30, a minute 40 seconds. So then these guys jump on and they kind of get the last 20 seconds, which isn't really enough to set up anything or get any opportunities. Now I don't have a problem if you want to ride, you know, Riley, Marner, Matthews, you know, Simmons, whoever the hell else you want to ride on power play. One Keefe seems to change it up a fair amount, but if it's you're not putting the puck in the net, maybe you have to you know get back to your roots a little bit and just throw out the top five guys: Marner, Nylander, Tavares, Matthews, Riley, and see if you can get that unit that was so efficient a year ago. To break this spell. Now, obviously, Keith and Malholter have decided that they want to stick with the plan to keep the units staggered and be a little bit more, you know, have a little bit more depth and maybe a little bit of a different look. But, Brendan, one for 22 is unacceptable, especially when this team is built to make teams pay with the man advantage. Like they aren't gonna beat you in the corners because they aren't physical enough. They're a more skilled group who are designed to make the other team take penalties based off the fact that they're more skilled, they're faster, and they're going to be putting the defense in bad positions. But then if you're not cashing in, then like what the hell is the point? It's not a a huge concern
1: right now. I just don't think it is. I know I know it looks bad and they haven't been converting. It like bad. it looks bad. It looks bad. It looks really but- bad. But then it's also, this is also a, a head coach who will just sprinkle on Wayne Simmons or Joe Thornton on one of the units. And that makes uh, a big spark. So, yeah. And when I'm referring to the their, their top guns out on the man advantage, you got what? Tavares, Nylander, Matthews, Marner, Riley, Hyman. Right? That was the line that was out there against Columbus last year in game four. Right? And they've, they've run with that before. With that unit, you should expect something. And sometimes it just doesn't produce anything. And when you do that, you're probably going to have a secondary unit that won't possess anything. So I think, really, when it comes down to the postseason, they're going to stagger those units more. And I think Simmons works really, really well on the power play that they didn't have last year. So,
0: Yeah, and it could just be a snake-bitten group. They could r- rattle off three of four on the power play tonight, and then you know two of three against Winnipeg on Wednesday, and that, I yeah. guess it's a non-story but the fact is, like, that number is just, like, I look at it on the page, and I'm just, like, it's just glaring. Yeah. Like, it's just an awful, awful statistic looking at the last 10 games for the power play. One bright spot over the last couple of contests, I think, particularly against Ottawa, a little bit quieter against Edmonton, was Galchenyak playing on the wing with Tavares and Nylander. Now, he has three assists in his last four contests. I thought that against the Sens... He had a really good game. He was hard on the puck. I think that line in general was basically dominating the possession metrics with Galchenyak on the wing. And he really seems to be, for me, the most consistent line mates that Tavares and Nylander have had to this point in the season. It's just kind of been a rotating door up there. Whether it was... Mikhaev, or whether it was you know Jimmy V C or whether it's you know Hyman plugging in there for a little while, Wh- whoever was going in on the wing there, it hasn't seemed to work out. But Galchenyak seems to be a pretty efficient fit.
1: He has. I think he's been an excellent addition, and he's been a fixture, and it's only been three or four games. And you noted he has three assists, a couple of them secondary, but the one on Tavares' goal against the Oilers was flashback to Montreal days, man. I think each game he's just growing confidence more and more, and this is only going to bode well for the playoffs.
0: We said this in the last pod, and I think that the Leafs do deserve a lot of credit for picking him up and putting him with a couple other skilled players where we are looking at on the broadcasts, like they were going through his line mates in Pittsburgh and his line mates in you know, Arizona and his line mates in Ottawa. And it was just like all these third line, fourth line guys where they're basically throwing him into the lineup and saying, make an impact on You're, the game. But yeah. He's not going to be able to do that. No, like not, not as a checker. It's not in his DNA. So the Leafs put him with a couple other skill guys. He's able to, you know, showcase his speed, hopefully, you know, showcase his playmaking ability. And to this point, and to their credit, it's worked. It has,
1: man. And this is where, you know, to, to go to our next bullet point, should they be looking to add in the top six? And for me personally, I don't think so. I think Galchenyuk almost serves as your own
0: little rental piece, right? Well, it really depends. Like, I, I like this player a lot. I could see I'm not privy to his contract status. I'd have to look it up on Cap Friendly to see what... He's got remaining on his term. But I think that this is a player that you could likely see Kyle Dubas coming in to try to sign for like under a million dollars. And then, you know, see if he can re rekindle his career. That's all he deserves at this point, to be honest. Uh, But it really depends on how comfortable you are with that top line and with Thornton or with, you know, Simmons or with whoever. Oh Simmons usually plays on the right side, but they haven't had an, a top-line winger who's been able to affect that line outside of Zach Hyman. And it certainly seems like Sheldon Keith wants to keep Hyman on that third line, driving that third line, who's looked very efficient at times. So I don't know. It's like, do you go out and add like who's available? It seems like all these top-line wingers are dropping like flies. Uh, I believe Ricard Raquel got injured over the weekends. Um, another target, Philip Forsberg, which people like were circling as maybe being an option for the Maple Leafs to go out and get. I personally think the price point would be too high, but he goes down with injury. And all of a sudden, the trade market starts to shrink a little bit. Uh, the one thing that does help is the Canadian government now has lessened the quarantine time from two weeks to one week. So that's good for Canadian teams who are looking to made, make a trade. Huge. Huge. And I know, uh, obviously, Mikael Grandlin
1: has been floating around, too. I caught a couple of of games of of his with a Preds uniform this year, and he's been okay. I mean, like, everyone's just, like, pumping this guy's tires. He hasn't been outstanding, but I feel like at this point in the season, you're just floating around potential pieces where it's like, well, there's just so many intangibles. Like, like you can't just—it's like, sure, he'd
0: be a nice fit, but— Is he that—like, I'm not convinced that at this point in his career, he's heads and tails better than Kerfoot. No, I I don't think so. And for the money, it's because you're basically going to have to send out Kerfoot if you were looking to bring in anybody of significance.
1: Yes, Kerfoot is part of that package.
0: Yeah, certainly, just to make the money work. So are you comfortable making this trade and potentially giving up assets and an asset with term to bring in a rental player who you're not sure who is going to fit in the system? Yeah, I'm. I, I don't know. It's like no, I, it, I'm. I'm not huge on Granland. I'm not huge on the Taylor Hall. You know, I'm not huge on a lot of the players that have been being floated out as being potential targets.
1: Yeah, and you look at Kerfoot too. You're also giving up a key hybrid player because time and time again this season we've seen him slide Play to C, the center, plays wing. to the wing. Granland's only a winger, right? So, you know, obviously he's going to be part of that package to to tump that three million AAV, but. He is still an important player, and it will kind of screw up the Leafs' center depth because who else do they? I mean, Spets and Engvall. Engvall has been centering the fourth line of late, but it's just going to mess with that a little bit. So that's something Dubas has to take into account as well.
0: The Leafs with the chance to improve to seven one and one against the Oilers with a win on Monday night. If you told me that heading into the season, I would have told you that you were uh, you were full of it that they were going to have that record against that team, but they've looked excellent so. Uh, excited to tune in tonight. Let's uh, move to Around the League. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this injury, but my goodness, Aaron Ekblad went down last night in their contest against the Dallas Stars, and yikes, it did not look good for Ekblad.
1: Yeah, I caught one replay. and That's all
0: you need to catch. That's all
1: you need to catch.
0: A, knee, just... a knee is not supposed to bend oh. that way. I just and remember, you just, oh man, it was I, brutal. Like you see him on the ice, and obviously just in so much pain. Oh, he was having such a good season. I know for the for the Panthers as well. Oh, he's a which stud. Which is always how it goes, right? He's a
1: stud on the back. I just remember Alex McGillney had a similar knee injury when he was playing with the Sabers, and it was almost like eerily similar to Ekblad's. And he, he's got to be done for the season. I'm sure that announcement's coming this week.
0: Certainly, and there's a big difference between being hurt and being injured you could tell by the way he went down and the way that he was in pain based off of like the way that his leg twisted that it was a pretty severe injury and I would be I would be extremely surprised if he wasn't didn't have to get surgery at some point this week and would hang him up for the rest of the season so hope for a speedy recovery to Aaron Eckblad and uh, the Florida Panthers organization because he has been outstanding for them this season on the back end so Hopefully he can return at the as early as uh, the beginning of next season from uh, what looks like to be a pretty severe lower body injury. Uh, speaking of the one-week quarantine for Canadian teams, Eric Stahl gets traded to the Habs, uh, calls the trade phenomenal. Now, I don't know if i go so far as to say it was a phenomenal trade, but one thing I found funny about this was, well, A, he said the seven-day quarantine was a big reason why he decided to move his no-trade. If it was a 14-day quarantine, it would, he would have been less likely to do that. So I found that interesting from a player's perspective that they're considering the 14-day quarantine as well. Number two was that Montreal was on his no-trade list. But I guess anything is better than playing in Buffalo, right <laughs> I
1: was going to say, man, he like, <laughs> just, just went into the GM's office and was like, look at, get me out of here. I don't care yeah, the, what you do. <laughs> And if it's Montreal, <laughs> care, it's Montreal. I don't, what,
0: I don't care what what you need. Yeah, it's like I understand. You're still playing in Montreal. Player, yeah. Well, why a player of you know at his age wouldn't necessarily want to go to a big market? I assume that probably Toronto as well would have been a team in a similar vein that he wouldn't have wanted to go to if that's the reasoning why. But he is certainly a player that has a ton of playoff success, has been pretty successful against Toronto. So it'll be interesting to watch that storyline as Toronto matches up with the Habs for the rest of the season. Um, Yeah, it's just a train wreck in Buffalo. And everybody's going to be trying to jump ship. And for I believe uh, it's Kevin Adams is the GM there, correct? Yes, I believe for him it's going to be unload everything that you can to bring in futures and prospects because it's a uh, like we've talked about before i'm not gonna i promise i'm not gonna get into it again but it's a it's a disaster there and they just need to get what they can and uh right off this season start to look for look towards next season in the future and on the note of the Habs getting Eric Stahl, they also signed their young top
1: prospect Cole Caulfield. Your boy. He is just a vibrant kid and led the NCAA 30 goals, 52 points this season. We should mention on the note of NCAA, the Leafs actually signed Alex Steves, forward out of Notre Dame, to an entry-level contract, and he was also a, a top 10 in points in the NCAA among skaters, so... Should be, uh, I mean, you get the odd gem coming out of, uh, you know, the NCAA, Tyler Bozak, Trevor Moore, to name a few, and this could be a good piece down the road, and Notre Dame produces some good, good hockey players, man.
0: Well, it'll be interesting on the vein of Caulfield, basically, I'm not the biggest follower of NCAA hockey, but from people that do follow it certainly seem to think that this guy is going to be the Hobie Baker winner for the top college player so yep. congratulations to Caulfield maybe a little bit premature on that but it certainly seems like he's got that one all wrapped up and it'll be interesting to see if he can plug right into the Habs lineup now because basically the NHL game is so much faster than the college game and even Bergevin was saying like we won't know if he can play until he gets here so uh, good luck to Caulfield, and, but not that good, that much luck because <laughs> this yeah. guy is going to be a real important piece for the Montreal Canadiens, and certainly it looks like he's going to be a, a staple in their top six for years to come. I'd love to see him play with Gallagher in the future. I think they would just drive opponents nuts. Did you see that the Red Wings swept the Jackets this weekend? A former Maple Leaf gets the W, Calvin Pickard. Uh, only 16 saves in the win, though. As the Jackets uh, are just a big tire fire as well. You know, you talk about Buffalo, you know, Columbus is getting into that mix as well. Line, A, I believe, has one goal in his time in like his last 16 or 17 games in Columbus. Not Torts acceptable. a dead man walking. Yes. I think he, he, he is,
1: right? Something's got to be coming or materializing the next two weeks, man. I know Torts likes to hide a lot of the internal stuff. But Line a and him, I said this months ago. It's not going to click before he even touched down in Columbus, and it's just personalities clashing, dude. I think this is this is going to end soon
0: for Line a. Well, I think Torts has a for, her, for wait end soon for Line a or end soon for Torts.
1: I think it's going to end soon for for Line for A. Both. For, well, for Line <laughs> a first, and then as in, as in I, I mean he's going to start bearing torches. torts is a big head, big personality like Babcock. The player is going to get next first, and then Torts, I'm sure, will shortly follow.
0: I don't look, see. I think it's probably the opposite, to be honest. There. I mean, Yarmo Kekalainen, I believe, uh, of Finnish descent. Patrick Laine, obviously, of Finnish descent. So there's a little bit of a connection there. I feel like small when you when you trade away your franchise center in Pierre-Luc Dubois for this player, you have to you know, you've put a lot of eggs in that basket. So the organization obviously believes that he can elevate this team to the next level. He hasn't been able to do it so far. I feel like Torts' message is one that can get stale.
1: Yes. And I think that's
0: what happened with this group. Uh, either people, like, I heard his pregame speech the other night, and it's like, basically, it either makes you want to run through the wall or bang your head against the wall, depending on how you feel about John Tortorella. Uh, I think that it's probably he's just ran his course. We've seen it all the time with other coaches in the league. The message just stale at this point. So I feel like it's a foregone conclusion at this by now that Torts will be gone, if not before the end of the season, certainly in the off season.
1: Oh, my God, man. I just think back in 2016 that the Leafs won a couple more games in March and they dipped down to second or third. They would have lost out on Austin Matthews, man. Big time. <laughs>
0: Uh, goodness. And then, yeah, can you imagine if it were uh, different and they ended up with Hatchback Laine, Kline, as he is, he's been called? Babcock and him would not have meshed. It would have lasted a year. And to be fair, Babcock and most of the young players on the Leafs didn't mesh anyway, so that's true. <laughs> that didn't turn out too differently. Uh, the Blues are reeling as well, man. They lose their second straight to the Ducks. Uh, their losing streak is at four, seven in a row at home. Mike Hoffman, a healthy scratch in the last loss as well. So St. Louis needs to pull pulled together. Uh, I don't know if you're a big mighty ducks fan, Brendan, but the mighty ducks are back streaming on Disney. Plus what do you make of the remake? Um, are you pumped about it or is it something that should have been left alone?
1: I love it, man. I've actually watched a couple of the interviews on pop turnative, which is another podcast. And I think they're, they're just like a bright bunch and it's cool to kind of see a, a remake done here. So it's kind of cool. I wasn't like a huge fan of it growing up, but I'm I'm kind of a little bit more interested now.
0: You were a late bloomer. Late bloomer for sure. Late bloomer for head coach Gordon Bombay. I I like it in a sense that I think um, especially depending on where you grow up in the states, there isn't a whole lot of exposure to hockey. So I think you know Disney doing a series about it kind of gives a little bit more exposure to the game because we still are at that point with hockey at certain places in the states. When I was a kid, I loved it. I haven't watched any of the new series streaming on Disney Plus now, so I can't comment on whether or not uh, they've properly encapsulated Fulton Reed in the remake. But I think it's good for the sport and exciting for... I I think it's good for the sport to have the Mighty Ducks back on Disney. Any hockey content, I'm uh, basically a fan of. Let's go to your tweet of the day.
1: All right, mine's going to Mike McKenna former tendy for the Ottawa Senators at Mike McKenna 56 I can't be the only ex-player with a sore back driving around with the heated seats cranked year round I don't know about you Kenny but the the bum warmers in your in your car are just a godsend
0: especially in a, a bleak January weekday like it just makes all the difference I have to tell you I <laughs> my car is um I know from well, I don't even know what year it is off the top of my head. I think it's like a two thousand four, two thousand five. Pre bum not warmers. Have, I do not <laughs> have the privilege. No, I think the bum warmers were around, but I didn't have the uh, the fancy option that came with the heated seats. So I, uh, I haven't had the privilege, but it would be nice because I do often have a, a sore back wheeling around, whether it's from the chairs, the office chairs at uh, at TSN ten fifty, which aren't the most comfortable. Not a whole lot of lumbar support, or if it's from moving around cases of beer all day, I could use a little bit of a a heated heated back massage. I hear that. I hear that. Uh, Let's go to the bar. Got me sitting at a bar on the inside,
1: waiting for my ride on the outside. She stole my heart
0: in the trailer park, so I jacked the keys to her fucking car and crashed that the shit then stepped away romance is
1: misery so much for memories and now i'm headed to the penitentiary see me on tv the next cop series i am a danger i guess i should have did something about my anger but i
0: never learned Real all right i'll go first i don't know if this person should be drinking really or if they indulge probably not if they're actually a nun but i'm gonna go with sister Mary Jean. Um, what a Basically the number one fan of the Loyola Chicago Ramblers, who unfortunately for Sister Mary were eliminated in the Sweet 16 by another underdog, the Oregon State Beavers, who are now in the Elite Eight. I I'd mentioned them earlier on in the podcast as being a, an underdog story that nobody really saw coming to this point. Sister Mary Jean is 101 years old and still makes it out to all the Ramblers games, regardless of where they're playing. It's just a incredible, incredible story. And yeah, it's uh she's going to be having a drink wishing that Loyola was continuing their Cinderella one, but a sweet 16 birth is nothing to uh, shake a paw at, if you will. I'll stick with the NCAA tournament as well. And,
1: Say that a couple of Canadians are headed to the bar. I'm not sure how old they. Are. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're they're of age. But Andrew Nemhard and Letitia of age in M- Canada or of
0: age in the states in the in the states. But 21.
1: Yeah, I'm sure Andrew Nemhard and Letitia Me are over 21. But they balled out yesterday and they uh, they brought their respective teams to the Elite Eight. Uh, Gonzaga for Nemhard and South Carolina for Letitia Me here. So some bright young Canadians on the court and hopefully they can. Go all the way. Be fun to watch. is undefeated, man. They haven't lost at all, so
0: look out. Yeah, we'll see what happens. They were the favorite for the majority of people coming into yep. the tournament because they were just steamrolling people in the regular season. So not a surprise to see them still making it to this point. And a good time for Canadian basketball. On the broadcasts the other night, they were kind of poking through potential Team Canada lineup. And I was like, this could be a pretty competitive group. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They can, and They just uh, need everybody to show up. Basically, is the absolutely. is the main draw. Like when you look at the young stars, Donovan Mitchell, R.J. Barrett, um, even on the Toronto Raptors in a more of a sheltered role, a bench role, Chris Boucher. There's a ton of great Canadian talent in the league right now. That, S.G.A. He's yeah, a stud uh, with the Thunder. Maple Maple Jordan, who seems to have rejuvenated his career. Now I know that he never wants to play for Canada. But maybe he would feel differently if some of these other stars decided they wanted to represent the country. So yeah, remains remains to be seen. But he seems to have rejuvenated his career with this trade to Golden State. Yeah, man, and and it was actually very very tough watching Norm Powell
1: with Portland yesterday. And you know, I don't even think oh, he was ready man. for it. Guy lined up on the opposite
0: side of the court for tip off. Yeah, <laughs> I was. Uh, like that gave me, uh, that gave me some problems. When Norm lined up on the wrong side, I was like, it oh, hit no. It hit like, home, yeah. Man. It was just saying, like, but you imagine for Norm, basically he's playing his old team. Probably, you know, they fly into Portland, and he's like, all right, I'm just going to stay at my house. Yeah. Or they fly into Miami, rather or Tampa, Bay rather. He's like, I'm just going to stay at my house. Same drive to the arena. Same everything. Same pregame routine, probably, just uh, in the opposite locker room. And then you walk out on the court, and it's just you're on the opposite side. So crushing, man. I mean, this team drafted, developed
1: Norm Powell. This is a, an original pick. So it's yeah, going well, to take a couple
0: of days to get used to, I'm sure. But watching congrats him for him though, Oh, he's, he's about to get, he's about to get the bag and that's ultimately why the Raptors couldn't keep yeah. him because he outperformed his contract. And yeah. He's certainly going to opt out of the player option at the end of this season. And he deserves everything that's coming to him. He's worked yeah. so hard. Second, you often don't see second round draft picks, blossom into the players that can be effective in the starting lineup in a night in night out basis but norm powell has been able to do that in a natural home for him in portland where he can slot in for either dame lillard or cj mccollum or, or next them if you want to have all three of them on the floor and um really take some pressure off those guys and get some good looks so congrats to norm and uh, all the best uh, with his new franchise
1: Yes, sir. I was just going to quickly mention, 22 points in his debut, 15 against the Raps last night en route to a Portland win. So, we saw many times playoff Powell and Toronto uh, jump out, and I'm sure they're going to see a lot of Portland playoff Powell as well. There's a
0: little alliteration for you. I said the other night that the real playoff P is Norm Powell. <laughs> All right, that, that's all we got for you on this episode of Leafspot. Uh, thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Leafspot, at Kent Stapon, at BMccarthy95, at HockeyPodNet, and we'll catch you next time.